This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part podcast series, Ulysses at 100, Lessons for the 21st Century Compliance Professional from one of the greatest books of the 20th century. Matt Kelly once challenged me to write a blog post for Bloomsday. He was well aware of my great love for James Joyce's magnum opus, so I accepted the challenge. This year is the 100th anniversary of the publication of Ulysses. To celebrate this event, Joyce and Compliance, I've decided to do a five-part podcast series on Ulysses. Over this podcast series, I will highlight some of the book and commentary that tie Joyce, Dublin, Leopold Bloom, and his wife Molly together with Stephen Dadalus and what they can teach the modern compliance profession. I hope you'll join me in this short celebration and trip through Dublin, 1904, in this 100th anniversary of Bloomsday. In this concluding episode, we consider Ulysses and compliance as a storyteller. The end of Ulysses leaves us with many unanswered questions because Joyce has no use for the conventional rules of plotting, which require clear-cut motivation and a decisive resolution. So if you look at some of the great 19th century novels, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and Dickens' Great Expectations, they resolve nearly all of their conflicts by means of marriage. By contrast, the chief characters in Ulysses lack clear motivation and achieve uh, really nothing specific at the end. Stephen Dedalus has taken no steps towards any profession and does not know where he will spend the night when he leaves Bloom's house. Bloom, who can hardly say who he is when he tries to do so after leaving the red light district um, and his plan to adopt Stephen as a surrogate go nowhere, and we don't even know about Leopold and Molly, they'll ever be lovers again, and whether Molly's affair with Boylan will continue. Um there are, uh, or rather, U- Ulysses is distinguished from earlier fiction by its dazzling diversity of voices and styles. So before Joyce, novels were largely dominated by a single narrative. And uh, obviously in Ulysses, there are multiple voices and many different viewpoints. So in chapter 7, there was the layout of the newspaper. In chapter 12, parodies interspersed with narrative. In chapter 13, uh we changed viewpoints uh, literally in the middle of the chapter. In chapter 14, parodied even the stage of English uh, language from uh, Anglo-Saxon to High Victorian. Ulysses does offer a narrative of events which is realistically situated in a place and time. You only need think of the Bloomsday for the time structure of this narrative even if it goes back and forth. And of course, the city is Dublin. of Dublin is an equally important character with the sights, sounds, and even smells. Um, throughout the novel, Joyce registers the passage of time. He talks about the hour of the day. Nevertheless, he manipulates times in various ways. He turns the ticking back ticking of clock to show that two or more things can happen at once. He ruptures time or treats it in uh, particular events of, as timeless. 
The, uh, we don't know for certain what happens between Molly and Leopold at the end, but it does give us reason for hope. And of course, we focused on our last episode about the end of the chapter where Molly said yes, which is how she begins the chapter. Nevertheless, um, Leopold does ask Molly to serve him breakfast in bed. It's a monologue, uh, but it's also clear she agrees to do so. And the um, Molly finds that Leopold indeed is the love of her life. And once again, while it's not express, expressly stated, I think that they probably do have a rapprochement and uh, reassume a uh, full and loving marriage going forward. I don't have a quote for you today on this episode. But I want to talk to you about the book Ulysses and storytelling in compliance. Audio can be a very powerful part of your compliance communications. Obviously, podcasts are a great, great way to tell a long-form story about your compliance successes and challenges. Ronnie Feldman, founder of L&E Entertainment, continually reminds us that the engagement of your compliance audience is through entertainment of your compliance communications. In the audio format, which obviously can be a powerful tool and a way for you to reach your employee base, is a way that you may not be taking advantage of. It can be as simple as interviewing employees on the importance of culture and how they use culture to guide their decision-making process in their daily work. Always remember, you're only limited by your imagination. Compliance, like society, is evolving, and that's why I found Ulysses at 100 as relevant for the 21st century compliance professional. Once upon a time, email was an innovation. Now, if you're not communicating, you're falling behind the eight ball. Employees expect ongoing communications. Storytelling can be a powerful tool and go a long way towards enhancing your compliance program. Remember the declination to prosecute that Morgan Stanley received back in 2012? Well, one of the indicia of information was 35 emails sent over seven years. Why not use that approach in an audio format by creating short audio clips around corporate culture business ethics, and compliance. That could be a powerful reminder that you could send to your employees and, from what we know from this declination, a way to demonstrate ongoing communications from your compliance program to employees. And finally, always think about the social part of this. Social media, for instance, is a more holistic, multi-sided communications but you can use those same strategies, tools, and techniques in compliance to communicate your employees. Your storytelling can be short form, it can be long form, it can be comedy and humorous, uh, the type of storytelling that Ronnie Feldman specializes in, but you have a way that you can tell a compelling story about compliance internally that will meet the regulator's expectations and allow you to communicate more effectively with your employees. 
What about the 24-hour-a-day approach that James Joyce took? Once again, you can look at uh, a business day and consider the different types of compliance challenges that you would face across the globe literally as the sun rises. Because remember, uh, if it's 5 a.m. in the United States, it's 5 p.m. back in the Far East. So uh, you can tell the story of compliance as the sun rises literally across the globe. All of this is just a very long way and multifaceted way to demonstrate, as I said before, you're only limited by your imagination in your compliance communications. So why not use all of the tools that you have available? Have some audio? Well, why not repurpose it for short 30, 60, 90, 120 second compliance messaging that you can use going forward? That's what Jacqueline Schiff at Podreacher does for her clients. Why can't you do that? Or better yet, have her do that for your clients as well. The storytelling part of James Joyce's Ulysses will be with us for at least another hundred years and probably beyond that. The innovations that he brought forward in the novel form are innovations that you can consider in your compliance program. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part series. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ulysses at 100, Lessons for the Compliance Professional. I hope you will join me tomorrow for another episode in this series. But more importantly, I hope you will take a look at James Joyce's work, Ulysses. If you happen to be a Ulysses lover like I am, uh, I wish you would post a comment in uh, either iTunes or on uh, a Compliance Podcast Network or Megaphone or wherever you listen to this, or contact me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I'd like to explore your love of Ulysses and perhaps have you on a podcast to talk about what it means to you. We're going to be taking a look at this from compliance and leadership angles, so I hope you will join me for another episode of Ulysses at 100.